Brian Stanton here with ASEP Frontline. We've got a cadre of guests today joined by Dr. Kevin Weiss, Dr. Sandy Schneider, and Dr. Mark Rosenberg, who are going to talk to us about the Geriatric Emergency Department Accreditation Program that is coming out from the American College of Emergency Physicians. Um, a growing population that we are all seeing um, on a daily basis. My particular facility, we are very much a geriatric um, heavy clientele, um, just based on us being the community facility that we are. And it's something that's going to be a bigger um, issue and concern as the baby boomer generation continues to age and they continue to require our resources uh, within the emergency department. And so we're going to talk with them today about this um, accreditation program and the importance of geriatric emergency medicine, why there needs to be a little bit extra focus on that. We do this for pediatric emergency medicine all the time. It's been a major part, and now we're starting to see this evolution within the geriatric uh, realm as well. And so something that's needed, something that uh, has huge demand, and we've got the expert with, uh, experts with us today to talk about it. So um, we're going to start off uh, with uh, Kevin. And the simple question, actually, let's roll through all three, Kevin, Sandy, and Mark, as to why. Why does ASEP take this on? Why are we taking on? Why is it important? And why is it uh, an emergency medicine topic of interest? Thanks, Ryan. Uh, this is Kevin. Great question. Great question. You know, I... I I think the simple answer is because our patients in our country need us to. Um, we, you know, we in emergency medicine are excellent at taking care of all different kinds of patients with all different kinds of needs, social and medical, every day, and figuring out what's wrong with them and where they get care downstream. Um, but as the percentage of older adults continues to increase in this country, their health care becomes more complex because medicine has been so darn successful that people are able to survive a lot of things. And as we really do function as, as a place where people go when they don't know where else to go, the need for us to become experts at managing um, uh, patients towards the end of their life with complex medical and social needs and get them plugged into the resources that can help them towards the end of their life as gracefully as possible is critical. Our patients need us to do it. And our country needs to do it as we evolve our healthcare system towards something that's more sustainable. So I'm just really grateful that Sandy and Mark, as two leaders in ASAP, have taken this on and said, ASAP, as in our role as emergency medicine physicians, are going to lead this charge. And Sandy, what are your thoughts on the why? On the why is that, uh, well, I'd ask the question to our listeners, and that is, do you have the things you need to take care of these very complicated patients? I know I sometimes don't, actually probably never do. For example, do you have a walker in your emergency department for your patients to use? Um, and that's really important. Do you have glasses if they happen to break them when they fall? Do you have hearing devices for them? So that's the first thing. This is all about getting the resources that we need to take care of these very complicated, difficult, but very, very important patients. And the second thing is that we saw a lot of places opening up calling themselves geriatric EDs. Some of these were outstanding places with all the resources and, and capabilities that, that you would want. And others, uh, it was pretty much just a sign. You know, we're taking care of geriatrics. End of story. So we wanted to make sure that the public knew 
And we wanted to challenge those places that wanted to be geriatric emergency departments to actually become them and show them the path where they could improve the care that they're giving. Mark, your thoughts? Well, you know, interesting part about going third when you're with two brilliant people who understand the space and are passionate about it. So everything Kevin said and Sandy said is important, but I want to add a couple pieces here. When we first realized that there were a lot of different geriatric emergency departments, some that just had signs and some that had great resources and, and uh, were taking care of seniors in a very high-level way, uh, the American College of Emergency Physicians, uh, with the help of Emergency Nurses Association and American Geriatric Society and SAEM, uh, put together the emergency department um, the Geriatric Emergency Department guidelines. And they were published in 2014. And they basically were evidence-based and consensus-based using the Delphi method to really identify what was the best, best practice for a geriatric emergency department. So that work had already been done. When we realized that we could benefit hospitals and emergency physicians and our patients by doing an accreditation process, this process was really based on those geriatric emergency department guidelines that were published in 2014. So I think that's an important part of the evolution of how we got to the point of doing accreditation. Sandy said something really important. What the geriatric emergency department accreditation process does is it makes your job as an emergency physician actually easier. It gives you all the resources that you need, not just the walkers and uh, the hearing assist devices and the reading glasses, but also access possibly to case managers and physical therapy and pharmacists to help with uh, patients who are on multiple medications and have a high risk of drug-drug interactions. Uh, it provides so much more to make your job easier. Could you imagine having a complex disposition on a patient uh, and having to do that on your own and compare that to having a complex dis disposition on a patient and having case management and social work available to really help you do it. It's night and day, and it makes our job so much easier to be in a geriatric emergency department, especially one that's accredited at a high level, like a level one or level two. Both, I've heard, Sandy, both you and Mark both mentioned you know, things that I wouldn't even think about, um, more of that holistic, comprehensive view of uh, geriatric needs in our emergency department, not just monitors, not just um, not just rails on the bed, not just medicines or whatever those needs are, not what we traditionally think of in terms of emergency medicine needs, but it's thinking outside of the box of more of those comprehensive needs when you come to the emergency department with your chest pain and you may not bring your reading glasses, may not bring your hearing aids. Let's talk about that a little bit. Let's, uh, and Mark, I'll start with you since we had you as the, as the third on the start-off question. We'll let you lead off so you can get the low-hanging fruit. What are the what are these huge? What are these deficits? What are these holes that most of us are missing in emergency departments that we aren't even thinking about? What are the gaps in the care that we potentially provide to our patients uh, that are elderly that we may be missing out on? Um, thank you for letting me go first this time. So um, uh, I really appreciate it. Um, but I, I, I really think 
I, I want to address two things. The geriatric emergency department gives a first-class experience to the seniors who come in. And as a result, they are really prioritized. They become more important than just a bedpan patient. Um, they become somebody that's important to meet their needs and their expectations. The most important part, I think, is not just making it a senior-friendly, nicer place to be seen. That's important as well. But it also allows us to provide some preventative care uh, for seniors. Let me, let me give you an example. We know how devastating falls can be. Uh, and we know the cost to society and the cost to the patient and the family who has a fall. So one of the niceties that we do is we do a lot of healthcare screenings in a geriatric emergency department, depending on the level, and I'm sure we'll talk more about that in a moment. Uh, but to be able to identify whether a senior um, has also dementia or delirium or maybe some dietary problems or uh, depression, or most importantly, or also importantly, is falls. So to do a falls assessment and to grade somebody on the level of falls risk that they may have, and then have a team that can provide them with resources uh, to possibly uh, prevent or mitigate those high-risk areas. Um, th this is the part where the geriatric emergency department is not just friendly and nice, but actually provides a real service to the seniors that we take care of every single day. Any additions to that, Sandy? Yeah, I'm going to get more granular because I think Mark has done a great job. But I think there are things on, um, I think of them in sort of three buckets. I think about the patient, okay? The patient uh, getting, again, we talked about walkers, non-slip socks, uh, soft mattresses, a blanket warmer. I don't know if you've ever been in an emergency department or in a cold place, and they give you that warm blanket. And I was like, when that happened to me, I was like sold, you know. In fact, I actually go get the warm blanket so I can hold them. Um, bedside commodes, beds that go down to the floor so they don't have to hop off, small things like that. Then you think about the caretakers that are there, okay. They, they need, you know, we talk about chairs for them. We talk about noise reduction. We talk about decent signage. And then we think about the care that the senior gets as well and the availability to talk to pharmacy and physical therapy. And again, have those things in your uh, department that you can use. And so when we built these, we talked about, you know, what is it that people would need. Now, interestingly, as we talked about this, we all thought, hey, this would be a great place for me to get care too. And we know we have these very complex people. Some of them are, for example, uh, the, the children who are transitioning to adulthood that have multiple uh, congenital issues. We have a lot of very, very complicated patients. Having this equipment, having these uh, specialists available to us will help us better take care of those patients as well. Kevin? No, I think that Sandy and Mark have encapsulated it very nicely. It's about thinking of the needs of our most vulnerable patients and making sure that we address those both with the structures, you know, the, the comfortable beds and the lighting and the sound assistance, the processes, making sure that we screen for other complicating factors so we transition or discharge them to the best place possible and have identified other issues like elder abuse, um, as well as making sure that we maximize our connections with the community. 
um, all of those types of things are key towards how we treat older adults. And when we treat older adults, frail older adults well, as has already been said, what we're really doing is optimizing our capacity to treat vulnerable patient populations as best as possible. And for those keeping score at home and you want to follow up on this, I've actually got it pulled up right now while we're doing the interview, and it's good to kind of follow along with this information as they talk about at their website, asep.org slash G-E-D-A, get a G-E-D-A, and they'll take you to the uh, Geriatric Emergency Department Accreditation Home. Um, right across, post across, it looks like it's going to be a very popular plan um, for emergency departments around the country because right there on the top right now, due to high demand for accreditation, the application process is currently five months. That's actually still a pretty good uh, turnaround considering a lot of other things uh, when they say high, high demand it means a lot longer than that. So um, got the website there, got everything there. So let's get down into some of the details um, of the actual program uh, itself. Why, and, and Sandy, if you can, you can start off here, why is it important for our departments to, I mean, we've talked about some of the things, we've talked about some of the gaps, we've talk, talked about some of the, the growing population, but why the accreditation? We've got value for, very, for the stakeholders um, and, and potential for approving care. Why is it important or why should emergency departments be interested in getting this accreditation? Well, I think uh, the department should be interested simply because you get the resources. Um, I have said multiple times, I asked for walkers in every single emergency department I've ever worked in. Uh, when I was chair, I asked for walkers. I could never get a walker. If you get a level three, which is like super easy, guess what? You're going to get a walker. So for the departments, I think this is about doing the right thing for patients. I think it's going to make your care giving the care that you want to give easier, and you're going to get some of those things that we've wanted, or at least I wanted, all of my career. For the hospital, interestingly enough, it is really about showing, um, showing the community that they care. It's about saying to the community, we care about your most vulnerable citizens, and we're going to do the right thing. We all know that there's a graying of America. We all know that the geriatric population is getting larger. And so this is one way where I think the hospital ad administration can say for a fairly small investment, um, you know, we're, we're doing this. But the real benefactor is the patient um, who's going to get all of this. Um, and then I think, quite frankly, the second benefactor is going to be the ED doc. Mark, your thoughts on the why we want to get accredited? I think it's so important when we look at the, 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 the silver tsunami as we're seeing more and more patients come in um, that are uh, seniors that really benefit by better care and the care that we can give. It's important for the public to really understand what the capabilities are and what they can receive in individual emergency departments. And the accreditation is that badge of honor that I have met this standard. And therefore, it provides the public with a place to go the, and the right place to go for their individual needs. The geriatric emergency department provides so much more for the patient. And therefore, it really improves um, patient satisfaction. In improving patient satisfaction, it improves physician satisfaction because it's actually an easier place to work. Let me give you an example. 
when I have a new physician that presents that is in my emergency department and on their first shift, I put them in the geriatric emergency department as the place where they will work. And, and the reason is, is it's the easiest place to work because there's so many resources that are available to them. And Sandy said it already, whether you're a level one, a level two, or level three, we know that each one of those facilities are providing better care to seniors, high level care, and this provides everybody a, a better opportunity to not only enjoy their work, but to provide better care to a very complex um, um, environment, uh, complex population. And Kevin, you know, I, Excuse me, yeah, this is Sandy. I should I should add that um, and put a plug in because Mark's uh, uh, emergency department is one of the very first that's uh, been accredited. So we're very proud of it, and I think um, I think they did an excellent job. The way that we came up with the idea of doing a geriatric emergency department, I have to give a little bit of credit to my late mom. Um, when she was um, in, in the early 2000s, uh, she was quite frail. She had gone through multiple surgeries. She had renal failure. And she would frequently present to the emergency department in South Florida because of uh, a medical problem. And she was so afraid to be there. There was always a, uh, somebody who was uh, loud and scary. Uh, there were police around. There were drug addicts. There were people who were intoxicated. And she said to me one day, why don't I build an emergency department for people like her, a frail senior who just wants to get good medical care and not be afraid of the department they're going to, where it was easy, where it was quiet, where she felt safe. And indeed, that was the biggest idea that really was the start of what a geriatric emergency de department should be. We've done it for pediatrics. It's time to do it for seniors. And we've done that. Now it's time to accreditate those emergency departments um, who really reach that higher level of good care for seniors in a place that's more conducive to, um, to seniors and, and their needs. And Mark, with, with that in mind, and I'm going to stay with you for a second, because when we talked about opioids, you talked about how your changes with the Alto program has driven more populations, especially workmen's comp, that sort of thing, to your emergency department. And with the geriatric elderly population, uh, Medicare patients, uh, those in long-term care facilities, nursing homes, assisted living, various levels, and those that are still independent, I mean, how is this, how this sounds like it could be beneficial and could be attractive to those populations and those that are potentially covering um, this type of care. Talk about how this may shift that patient distribution and, and, and may be something that's going to attract the, the type of patients that we're talking about. A really good question. You know, um, every hospital has its primary service area and possibly their secondary service area. Uh, the service area that's closest to the hospital where they attract most of the patients. And the secondary, from the geriatric emergency department, we get patients that are way outside even our secondary service area. We get um, it's usually a 50, 55-year-old daughter who drives mom past multiple hospitals to come to the geriatric emergency department. And mainly in part because we provide better service, more concierge-like service 
to those seniors. And the senior themselves, what they experience, they, they really have a hard time telling good care uh, from, um, from care that just feels good. And so when they come here, they feel good uh, because it's very concierge-oriented, very first-class-like. What the daughter knows is that she's getting good communication from the staff and the um, uh, nurse navigator and the rest of the team. And what you and I know and what her primary care doc know is that she's actually getting better care, more comprehensive care. So it's a total care package. But to answer your question, people do bypass other hospitals to come to a geriatric emergency department because of all the things that we offer. So let's get to some of the details. And uh, Kevin, I want to send this to you because I know we've actually talked a little bit about it before. Um, you have three tiers. You have three tiers for accreditation for our geriatric emergency departments, gold level one, silver level two, bronze level three. Talk to us about those levels and what it means and how that may be and how that is and how that's determined. Absolutely. Um, so we are excited for all 5,000 emergency departments in the country to consider sort of uh, upping their game and applying for the level that's right for them in their, in their, to improve in their zone of how to improve their emergency department for older adults, but in a way that they can meaningfully do that in the next six months to a year. So there's a zone for everyone. Starting at the top, level one is really the places that you would think of as the, the, the centers of excellence for geriatric emergency care. For example, St. Joseph's, Mark's Shop in uh, Patterson, New Jersey, is one of the first, is, you know, the first. There was three announced at the same time. So in the first three emergency departments in the country recognized as level one centers of excellence in geriatric acute care. And that is the kind of place that often has a separate space for older adults, but not always. But then when you walk into the space where your older adult loved one is being taken care of, you know that this place was designed for you. Um, so they, there are 27 recommendations for best practice in the geriatric ED guidelines Mark referenced. Level ones hit 20 of those, as well as having not necessarily separate space, but space that is clearly designed for the well-being of those older adults. And an, an interdisciplinary team with case managers, pharmacists, nurses, doctors, descending upon this patient to make sure that their social and medical needs are met. They are the wow people, the wow child of geriatric acute care. Level two is similar in many ways, but they meet 10 out of the 27. So for, it's for the kind of place that's like, we really want to make this a focus. I'll share with you that my home institution at the University of North Carolina, our, our smaller community hospital in our healthcare system is applying for a level two because they're a smaller hospital. They don't have all the stuff to do all 20 of the 27 recommendations, but we can hit 10 and it is a focus for that hospital. And so it's a way of distinguishing this hospital is a place that's really focused on older adult acute care. They also have spaces that are designed for older adults. You walk in there, you feel comfortable that you or your loved one are getting the care that they need. And you can tell that this is a place that's really bent towards geriatric acute care. Level three is for the places that recognize the importance of evolving their care patterns to take better care of uh, acutely ill older adults, but don't have the resources today to institute 10 new policies or 20 new policies, and instead want to make sure that they get a team together, a physician leader, a nurse leader, some basic equipment like Sandy was referring to, like walkers and appropriate diet materials for folks, so that they've got something to eat, and really get started. 
it's, it's a recognition that we are committed to enhancing our acute care for older adults, and we're on a journey to move forward. And so there is no reason that any hospital in this country can't apply to be a level three tomorrow. What it takes is a, an effort, a concerted effort to say this is important to us, and a nursing and a physician champion to help drive the process forward, make sure some basic equipment is obtainable, and make sure that it's part of the mission statement. And as soon as that happens, you're on the journey with us. And our sincere hope is that the level threes of tomorrow will be the level twos of two years from now and the level ones of five years from now. Because at the end of the day, the goal here is that you know that wherever you or your older loved ones are in this country, there is an emergency department that is consciously thought about what care provisions need to be in place for frail older adults and a place that is the right place for them to go. And all this information is available on the website. You got 48 pages, no, 42 pages of guidelines, 18 pages of criteria, and then, then uh, make it easy for folks like me who uh, want a very easy graphic. I want a summary of the summary summary. Uh, to shorten it up. I mean, even the abstract is pushing it a little bit long for me. There's a comparison overview that uh, simply checks off some of the uh, major criteria that you can look at there. And it looks like it's, I mean, it's pretty easy stuff. And it's honestly, I think the issue where most people are going to fall short is just one, getting the education and having the folks there, but just the stuff you didn't think about, like just as Sandy was talking about having that four point walker there, having some reading glasses, um, available there, hearing aids or some sort of uh, device to assist uh, with those that are hearing impaired. Um, I mean, those just the things that we just haven't thought about. When we think about pediatric emergency departments, is often the actual supplies. You know, having those different types of tubes and different types of medication dosing, dosing and everything else. Having those carts available. You know, whereas this, it seems like we have the medicine side of things, but it's the environment seems to be. Um, really where there has to, well, the environment and education uh, seems to be where there really has to be growth to uh, qualify here. Thoughts on on that and, and ha- where traditional emergency medicine is uh, versus where we want to go with this. Uh, Sandy, we'll start with you on thoughts on, um, on, on just this transition from where we've been to where we want to be. So one of the things that was really important to us is that these criteria had to come from emergency medicine and not from geriatrics or another group. Clearly, the geriatricians have things to to teach us. Clearly, we need to work with them. Clearly, we need to be able to hand our patients off to them. But we also had to do what was right for emergency physicians and emergency providers. Where we're going is exactly what Kevin has been talking about in terms of making this so making it so that every hospital has at least the bare minimums for our elder patients and and again you know what is important to me as we begin down this journey at my own institution where I work um is the very fact that uh, we're going to be doing what's right for a lot of patients. There's not one of us who's ever, I don't know if anybody listening has spent a night in the emergency department <clears throat> either, either as a caretaker or as a patient. But we're not a very hospitable place. We're kind of noisy. Um, we're kind of you know cold. Um, and so making this better for our elder patients who really, really need it makes it better for us. So that I think the journey is to understand that the patients are going to benefit. Mark? You know, I just want to take a different approach to answering this. Um, 
two surrounding states, not my state of New Jersey, but two surrounding states. I have had an appointment with the health commissioner of their state, and both of those health commissioners want to expand the geriatric accreditation across all their hospitals. Um, that, to me, really just shows this widespread um, need to improve health care for seniors and the fact that some commissioners of health, some secretaries of health, are really starting to see this. So I think as we look where we're going, I really believe that we're going to see the growth of geriatric emergency departments, meaning, uh, I'm, I'm talking about accreditation of geriatric emergency departments, meaning that we will be providing better care to our seniors. And this will start with the emergency physician, which is the place where uh, the final common denominator for anybody who's getting frail and really having uh, trouble getting around or has an acute illness, they come to see us. So we can start providing them better care. One of the interesting things that I have seen in my own shop is that the geriatricians in the community are now sending more of their patients to my emergency department for a rapid assessment, diagnostic, and treatment that we can do in our geriatric emergency department and yet have a user-friendly environment that um, their patients come back to them saying, boy, that was great going to that emergency department. And you know most seniors, uh, most experiences in the emergency departments are not quite that friendly. Uh, so proud that the geriatric emergency department can fill that gap of care and be the rapid assessment, diagnostic, and treatment center for many of these complex seniors. So let's talk about moving forward. We've got um, you've got a we've and I want thoughts from all three of you on this. As we move forward, we get our accreditation. You know, when you have something like this, we have Cedar for uh, data for data for emergency medicine, the data registry. Where how is this going to potentially impact policy, future practice for geriatrics, and uh, even the establishment of? of measures and, and metrics with uh, regard to our geriatric clientele. Uh, Kevin, we'll start with you on this one. That's a great question. And I, I think I, I think that ASEP, and under the leadership of Sandy and Mark and others, has really wisely said, listen, we know our healthcare system needs to evolve and transform, and we want emergency medicine. We already are driving that forward. We want to explicitly drive that forward. And this initiative is part of that. So I think that the public is going to increasingly demand um, appropriate care, you know, optimal care for older adults and markers that that make it clear that individual hospitals have met those criteria uh, because the healthcare needs of older adults, the way our healthcare system works for older adults right now are felt by almost all of us, either directly or indirectly. I think those demands are going to are going to transform themselves into increasing, uh, you know, um, uh, expectations and eventually obligations imposed on us by the public sector for really demonstrating optimal care for older adults. And I think ASEP has gotten out in front of that and said, listen, we know that it's the right thing to do, so we're going to do it because it's the right thing to do. And when you guys get around to deciding that it's the right thing to do, we're already going to be showing you how it happens and how it's done. Um, I think that this is going to go concordant with increasing awareness of the, of the the average cost of healthcare for our population of 18% of our GDP. And really, as we think about value for that cost, part of the push is gonna to be to make sure that we're putting as much value into the end of life care as possible. 
and that these kinds of initiatives that focus on the complex social and chronic medical needs of older adults, even when they present for acute care, are going to be critical. So anybody's guess as to exactly what new initiative CMS is going to come out with or exactly what new push Secretary Azar is going to have, I think there's a lot of transition within healthcare leadership nationally. But helping run a policy center based in D.C., um, I am confident that we are moving towards more value-based care, even if we're sort of drunkenly stumbling towards it, and that we are going to demand better care for older adults. And I know that both of those are inherent in ASEP's criteria and accreditation process. So we're already doing it Well, um, our country leadership is defining exactly how it needs to be done. We're going to show them how it happens. Sandy, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm going to take it down to what this is going to mean. I'm, I'm, I'm always very granular. What does this mean for me? Um, what it really means is that I'm going to be able to uh, sort of have a network of, of experts, of people who, like me, have geriatric uh, EDs, um, and I can learn from them. Um, some of the best things I ever did in my practice, I stole from someone else uh, who was already doing them. Um, and I tried not to take credit for them, but um, the idea is that we're going to bring these people together uh, on a very frequent basis. They're going to share how they've instituted uh, changes, what those changes resulted in, um, and let people create their own best practices um, and, and highlight those. Um, for example, uh, one of the things that we hope comes out of this is trying to avoid some admissions uh, for these elder patients. We all know that when you put a frail elder patient into the emergency, or excuse me, into the hospital, uh, they stop walking. Um, some of them get the uh, delirium, um, and they often don't go home again, even though their medical problem was fixed. So where is it that this uh, that sharing knowledge can help people? Um, improve their home transitions, improve their community resources, uh, things that we don't usually think of as emergency docs, quite frankly. We just know when they're not there. Um, so we're hoping that people will learn from each other and share. Um, and that, that to me is more important than, quite frankly, quality measures. I know that's what everybody says is important. But quite frankly, I think uh, sharing our best practices is what's really important. And Mark, you get to bat clean up again. A lot has been said, but I want to focus on a couple areas. Uh, we are changing as a, a healthcare community. Uh, it's changing in Washington. We're going to accountable care organizations. We're focused more on value-based care. And the geriatric emergency department um, really can, really does focus on that and really does cut cost. And let me, let me talk why. One, uh, we're able to decrease the percentage of patients that are admitted. And we do this because of great processes and comprehensive care in the emergency department. We're able to also decrease readmissions. Both of these keep down the cost of care, especially for an accountable care organization that's really talking about bundled payments and fixed cost and fixed reimbursement. Another part of the geriatric emergency department is better care transitions, better handoff to the, to the, back to the geriatrician, better follow through with the patient after they leave the emergency department. And last but not least, we really do a lot of care prevention and disease identification on those patients by the healthcare uh, screening and health determinant 
screening that we do. Uh, so I see that as we evolve into more accountable care organizations, next-gen ACOs, clinically integrated networks, all these will benefit by a geriatric emergency department. I think this accreditation process, the time has come, and I really think we're going to see this expand throughout the country as uh, accountable care organizations and first-dollar capitation becomes more and more important. Talking with Dr. Kevin Bice, Dr. Sandy Schneider, and Dr. Mark Rosenberg, um, the Wizards, and wonderment behind the Geriatric Emergency Department accreditation. Again, if you want more information on this and think that your emergency department uh, or you want to uh, apply, um, the website is asap.org slash GEDA, and that gets you to the Geriatric Emergency Department Accreditation Home, and it's uh, laid out very simply. I like it, um, as opposed to many other websites that I get to visit. This one's very easy and self-explanatory, so designed with the uh, emergency physician in mind, easy and straight to the point. So uh, I appreciate the information. Um, uh, Kevin, Sandy, Mark, thank you so much for your time today. And I think we're going to come back around and visit some more. We have Dr. Bice on another podcast getting into some of these details as well. And we'll have more coming at you in the future, especially as this evolves. As for me, you can get in touch with me, uh, youreverydaymedicine at gmail.com, youreverydaymedicine at gmail.com, at everydaymed on Twitter. And until next time, I'm Dr. Ryan Stanton, and this has been some ASAP Frontline. Frontline.